What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian and Ozzy podcast. We are back with the last UFC card of 2021. We got a 14 fight card going down from the UFC Apex, headlined by Chris Dawkins versus Derek Lewis. Pretty solid main event. I'm looking forward to that one. And I'm joined by my co host, as always, Ozzy. How are we doing this week, my man? Uh, you know, riding, riding that momentum off of a, a bunch of great fights last week, including the obviously the uh, upset that Pena. Uh, pulled off but yeah you know i think last week was a really awesome night of fights i think probably the a little bit more uh value sprinkled across the board there than uh this week but uh, you always want to end the year on a positive note and i think there are some uh decent contender fights or you know prospect fights on this card so definitely ready for it yeah i mean it's hard to compare the two cards you got a great pay-per-view and then you got this kind of lackluster um you know fight night but there's still i'd say you know six seven interesting fights on this card and um just a quick recap of last week i made 3.59 units um so solid bounce back week for me lost a few weeks in a row but back in the green and how'd you do ozzy uh six units up overall on um about 11 units of action in total uh you know aaron we we were big on on blanchfield she did awesome uh and i didn't end up tracking bets on Oliveira or Amanda Nunes, but ended up getting both of those Pena. in and oh excuse me, yeah. Uh Pena ended up getting both of those in and uh Jeff Neal, uh really, really good performance by him as well. So good uh good event to get back on the uh back on the winning path. I think I uh, dropped almost the same amount the week before. And yeah, you know, good pay per view event overall. Yeah, a lot of good live betting opportunities in that card. Just great fights all around. Obviously, Nunez losing probably one of the biggest upsets in UFC history. Just hilarious to watch that unfold. But uh, enough about last week. Let's get into this week. We got 14 fights. And in the lightweight division, we have Jordan Levitt at the, as the minus 121 favorite. Matt Sales going up to lightweight here as the plus 101 underdog. And Matt Sales apparently like got really fat in the time that he wasn't fighting. I, I never saw like a picture of this. I don't know if you did, Ozzy, but I heard a lot of, of chat that he got like up to like 250 pounds. And he wasn't even that good of a fighter before the layoff. Um, he really struggles with defensive grappling. He's a he's a solid striker, you know, trains with Dominic Cruz, Alliance MMA, um, you know, some solid striking. I think he should be the much better striker than Jordan Levitt. It's just you're you're trusting Matt Sales to put up a good defensive grappling effort, and he really doesn't do that too often. So I don't think Levitt is any good. I think his striking is weak, his wrestling, his grappling, all of it is really weak. But I think he should still have the skill set to get it done here, winning by grappling, um, probably by decision, uh, maybe even getting a sub. So what are you thinking here? Yeah, so um, Matt Sales, I, I didn't really even really know that uh, he was still in the UFC roster. I thought he was like a casualty or whatever of uh, of them just not you know, putting together fights for him, but then he popped up, obviously, like you said, he's at lightweight now, he just, uh, I think the wrestling for him is just too weak, uh, for him to give both the advantage of size to Jordan, uh, Levitt, and, uh, the technical ability as well, uh, once Jordan does get, you know, fights to the ground, if he is on the offense, he does find and do some things that are, uh, a bit more on the, even if they are unorthodox, they do produce finishes for uh, some grapplers. And, you know, I think he does have some uh, good ability to keep guys on the ground. So I'm going to side with him just because I don't think that Sales has much power on the feet. And then uh, it only takes Levitt getting on top of uh, uh, Sales a few times in scrambles, which over 15 minutes I think is likely to happen. So at minus 110, uh, I think he should probably be the favorite here. Um, so I'll pick him as well. 
And I saw Levitt going for some leg locks in his fights. I saw Sales get caught up in a leg lock exchange in the uh, the Kyle Nelson fight. So I honestly think uh, one of our good old leg lock submissions is on the table here. Yeah. And Kyle Nelson gonna... took his back too, didn't he? Like, he... Oh, yeah, for like Kyle a whole Nelson is not a good grappler. No, no. I mean, he obviously, yeah, he got submitted right after that. Um, but yeah, that fight is all you need. I mean, Bryce Mitchell, good grappler, but Nelson, come on. Um, that's enough about that fight, though. Going up to the heavyweight division, we have Dante Mays, minus 197. Josh Parisian, plus 172. What are your thoughts on this heavyweight fight? Um, I mean, this is a weird fight. Like, I've never really had a good grasp on Mays, and I think that's evident by the fact that I think I bet him when he fought gone, which is hilarious, looking uh, <laughs> back. That uh, that I thought he could beat Khan. He was like two to one or three to one. Uh, but against Parisian, I mean Parisian overall, you know, he comes forward. He has some power in his hands. I think he has some ground game ability, like uh, like at least a sliver. Um, that he's just he's not gonna get destroyed. I don't think. Um, Dante Mays does not have great power in his hands. I I don't feel either, and he's not that active. So you know he had that close fight with Martinez in his last fight. So I think that Parisian is a side at plus money here. Um, I think these heavyweight fights often uh, just taking that plus money on uh, on this style of fight and in this like tier of guys is. Uh, the way to go. So I'll uh, take Parisian to just kind of, I don't know, win like a clinching fight or use his leg kicks or do something like that to to win this fight. Maybe, you know, a split decision or very close decision. Seems like a good over fight. Over two and a half is minus 104. Starts round three, minus 116. I mean, that's that's the better bet. Fight starts around three, minus 116. Pretty good bet for this fight. I mean, Maze is just a fighter. Um, both of these guys are fighters that look like they're just fighting to go the distance. Uh, Mayus doesn't put too much power behind his shots, like Ozzy said. He's just kind of content to outpoint his opponents, win rounds, which is a smart style, honestly. I mean, you don't see that too often in heavyweight. Um, and Parisian was getting pushed against the, fa- the ca- cage excuse me, uh, versus Martinez every time Martinez walked forward. I mean, Martinez would walk forward, spam a few punches, and Parisian would just like magnetically move to the cage. So I don't think the guy's got good ring craft. His defense seems virtually non-existent. And Mayus just seems like the lot cleaner striker. So... Definitely not interested in laying minus 200 on this heavyweight, but um, I do expect Mays to win uh, by decision. So the the Mays decision prop, plus 240, plus 275, and the overs here I think are good spots. That's going to move us up uh, down to the women's featherweight division. This is a short notice fight that just got moved to featherweight. We have Raquel Pennington as the minus 175 favorite. Macy Chass on plus 150. Uh, I think Pennington was supposed to fight um, somebody else, maybe Julia Vila. And that was at 135. Chasson fills in on late notice. That's why you see the the weight class move up. And, you know, Chasson, I got to wonder, you know, where she's at because she was supposed to fight Lad. She made weight for that fight, never ended up fighting. Um, And then, you know, who knows what she's been doing since? Maybe she took some time off after that camp. Um, Maybe she's just been training the entire time. But uh, it's interesting to see that they're moving up to 145. That could be a symbol that Chasson's not in that great shape. Either way, I think the Pennington is just much, much more experienced, much more skilled in basically all aspects of MMA. Her takedown defense is solid. Um, she's a pretty crafty striker at distance and in the clinch. And we saw in her last fight against um, Penny, much better fighter than Chasson. She had some difficulty early on, lost round one, but you know never looked lost at all. Came right back and won rounds two and three for an easy, unanimous decision. So Pennington, I just feel, is like a, a notch or two above. Um, and honestly, she's a approaching playable here at minus 175 i mean she's pretty much a decision machine as well so you might as well take her uh by decision at plus 120 plus 110 out there 
Um, so yeah, I expect Jazz or I expect Pennington to win this one pretty clearly. What about um, you? You can never be very uh, certain with these type of fights. I feel, but I think I'll take Raquel here. Just she's always pretty. She's pretty consistent, and like that last fight, she showed uh, that. Yeah, she's ready to mix it up. She, you know, uh, she'll go in the back and forth fight. She has cardio for three rounds, and you know there wasn't even that much grappling in that fight. Whereas uh, Macy, sometimes you know, it's kind of easy to get good positions in grappling on her. So I think Raquel could be a step ahead of her in that regard. And I think people probably uh, valuing the ten pounds uh, increase here at featherweight a little bit much giving some value to Raquel. So I'll, I'll uh, side with Raquel uh, and just think that she probably wins this fight, like you said. By the yeah, I mean, she was minus 200 a few days ago. Now, I'm not really understanding the action on Chess. Yeah, and it's probably I, I think to it's, with... Yeah, I think it's 100% uh, people uh, with the 145 and the difference there. And, I mean, I don't know. Like, I feel uh, Raquel is just stronger than Macy no matter what weight they're different. Oh, yeah. Chaston has fought at 145. She beat Panny. I think, yeah, she won. She won that Ultimate Fighter thing, but that's different. Like, she has no issue. I don't think she has that much issue making 135. She just probably, like you said, wasn't getting ready because there's a, there's the only this is the last fight card of the year. So you know, yeah. Chaston also had a pretty close fight head. with Renal last year too. So yeah. keep that in mind. Um, yeah, that's going to move us along to the men's featherweight division. We have Charles Jordan as the Minus 180 favorite, Andre Yule plus 155. You can start this one off. Don't 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 have a great read for this fight. You got Jornade, who a uh, pretty high wrist uh, striker, uh, softball stance. I guess I think switches sometimes to orthodox. Um, but you know he kind of chips away at you. We were on. We faded him last time when he fought Julian Arosa. Arosa did uh, what he usually does, right? Uh, outpoints him. Lands some good shots in and out, uh, goes to grappling, and eventually uh, he catches uh, Jordan with 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 some uh, jujitsu. Uh, uh, Andre does not have any any grappling game though. I don't think that he really translates to the 145 division very well either. But I mean, he probably doesn't even barely cut weight to make 145 here. Um, and I think that Jordan probably just lands the bigger shots, uh, connects with more kicks. So, I mean, I just. He, Jordan's the guy you look at him at minus 200 and you think it's probably not worth it. But when you think of the style matchup, it does, I think, bode well for him. So I'll pick him here. I don't really, you know, like uh, the, the odds for uh, Andre at all because he does didn't even have power at uh, 135, at least to the head. Like he didn't really get any knockdowns and stuff. So uh, I don't really believe in him as a fighter. I think he is out of the UFC after this fight. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, we've never been high on Yule, um, not too high on Jordan either. Uh, I will give an interesting, you know, note about this fight. Jordan's six fights in the UFC, I believe, and he's lost round one in five of them. Um, the best fighter he's fought of that list, Andre Feely, is the one time he won round one. So, like, this guy is just weird. I mean, sometimes he drops round one and then, you know, comes back in round two. Same, that happened in the Choi fight, I believe. Um, Cooley bow dropped, and the guy just seems chinny. He's extremely reckless, like you said. And I think he's probably going to give Yule the fight that Yule likes the best. Um, Yule, a terrible grappler, as you mentioned, um, known for getting his legs kicked. Uh, I just don't think that Yule is really as creative or um, intuitive of a striker as Jordan is. I think Jordan actually does have some, some good process, and he can figure the fight out as it goes. So uh, look look to live at Jordan here. I mean, I expect him 
to probably make round one close like he always does. And then you can probably look to get a live bet on like maybe even money on Jordan or something. So I'll pick Jordan, but uh, not a confident one. Definitely wouldn't recommend laying minus 200. That's going to move us to the women's flyweight division. We have Sarge in charge, Eubanks, minus 170, Melissa Gatto, plus 145. And it's my turn to start this one, but I've heard you have had you have some pressing information about Melissa Gatto. Is that something you could share with us right now, Ozzy? No, I don't have it. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. No. Okay, right, right, right. Okay, well, I'll go back to uh, to the analysis for this one. Then Eubanks, I think, is you know pretty playable at this price. Um, you know, it is at 125. She has bounced back between 125, 135 throughout her UFC career, but surprisingly, she's three and zero at 125. I didn't really realize that. Two and four at 135. So she struggles with the the bigger women. You never really know how her cardio is going to look. I mean, she she looks she won round uh, all three rounds I think versus Julia Avila. Um, and then all of a sudden she gasses again in, in one round versus, uh, Pandy Kanzad. So her cardio is always variable and that kind of makes it hard to trust, to trust her as a favorite. Um, but I think she is one of the better top position grapplers in MMA. She has a decent arsenal of takedowns. Gatto did look, you know, massively improved in her one fight against, uh, Leonardo, um, coming off a three-year layoff. But let's not forget that. Before that, her most recent fights in 2018, she got taken down and put on her bo- her back for long periods of time and just looked like a dreadful grappler. So it's a good chance that Eubanks just easily takes down and wipes Gatto out here. Um, Gatto, probably the better striker, but it's, it's close. You know, Eubanks is going to be throwing hands. She doesn't really have too much offense besides that. Gatto, more of like a, a kicking Muay Thai base. So the striking will be close, but I think Eubanks gets takedowns here and uh, eventually either top games her to a, you know, a finish or, um, you know, possibly even a decision. Let's see. Eubanks sub plus 500. We love losing money on that prop. So I might be down to, or maybe Eubanks just. Plus how much? Business. Plus how much? Five, 500. Okay. So um, this is a fight 125. Uh, Gato. Gato. You wanted to say it right, but whatever. Gato uh, came into UFC. She, I mean, she had her, a bunch of uh, her appearances canceled. I mean, the fact the fact here is, I think that Gatto probably tries to take Sarge down, can't really succeed. I think she'll strategically just fight the wrong fight that ends up uh, allowing Sarge to win the decision. So now that it's coming in so much, uh, I think just the style matchup here. I understand why people think that Gatto uh, has uh, some ability and is. Uh, you know, a live underdog in terms of the skills and what you know what where the fight's gonna go. But I just think she's not really reliable to win a decision against like a grappler uh, of Eubanks's level. So uh, I'll pick Eubanks here, and I think that uh, she she's just probably a little too clean jujitsu wise to get caught in some of the traps that uh, Gato likes to put out there. Nice. Sounds like we're in agreement there. Um, moving up to the heavyweight division, Justin Toffa minus three twenty. Harry Hunsucker plus two seventy. Doesn't get much more low level than this. So, give us your thoughts on this heavyweight fight. I don't have any thoughts. So cool. Um, I mean, Toffa the... minus three twenty is <laughs> is ridiculous. I mean, I think you either have to take a shot on the dog Hunsucker or just not bet this one at all. Um, but there's honestly a chance that Toffa just starches him in round one. I will say Hunsucker did throw some calf kicks in some of his pre-UFC fights, and uh, I think Tafa got his leg lit up by Jorgen Castro, and then ran face-first into a punch. So Tafa's just not a guy you could trust at minus 300, so don't think about this one too much. Probably just don't bet it at all. Um, 
And that's going to take us to a, an interesting fight. Men's Bantamweight division, Hayoni Barcelos as a massive minus 350 favorite. Victor Henry making his UFC debut short notice plus 285. Uh, you watch any tape on Ozzy, on uh, Henry Ozzy? <laughs> yeah, I know Victor Henry pretty well. Uh, you know, I know he's a very tough guy. Uh, he's never really been, he's fought uh, the best Probably as uh, tier wise, the best competition you can outside of the UFC. Never really got blown out that much. It's not like an overwhelming athlete, but it's just like competent in a lot of areas. Um, you know, Barcelos, obviously, you know, people remember the, you know, the 10 8 round that he did not get against Valiev. Uh, but he did, uh, you know, kind of disappoint in that fight. He just was not looking for the kill. Like, wasn't as active as you think he should be. I mean, the guy's dynamic, very talented. Um, I think this is like a cut-and-dry fight that ends up being closer than these odds, though, indicate uh, more often than not. I think the over or this going a little bit later is a good uh, a good bet as well. I just don't think Barcelos has... Uh, ep- like amazing power that he's gonna hurt Henry uh, super bad, and then along with that, the grappling. I think Henry actually could, uh, you know, could make the fight a lot closer if it's only grappling. So I'll take. I mean, I think a value, a little value play on Henry, and then uh, like it goes distance or over here. Henry looks like a, like a fun striker. Kind of reminds me of like Tony Ferguson. He's he's marching forward. He's throwing a lot of front kicks, straight punches, mixing it up pretty well. Um, don't see, you know, a whole lot of, of defense or technique, um, but he he knows how to come forward. He knows how to put up volume. And like I said, he gets in people's face and lands strike. Very reminiscent of Tony Ferguson, um, but he has very bad takedown defense. I saw him get taken down a few times. He got taken down and controlled for most of the fight in his recent loss. It's an, it's an interesting because he beat this opponent in 2018. He fought the guy again in 2020, and he lost probably 30-27, honestly. Um, so Henry might be able to make this close in the feet. He's got high volume. He's aggressive. Barcelo's kind of known for being a little bit of a low volume uh, power striker at times. So he could make this close in the feet. But I think if Barcelo's wants to grapple here, he will hit successful takedowns and likely um, probably finishes um, Henry on top. I haven't really seen good things from Henry in the defensive grappling once he gets taken down, laying on his back for long periods of time. And Barcelos has a legit top game. Don't forget how he... Ran through, uh, I think he submitted Chris Gutierrez, didn't he? Um, made it look pretty easy, too. So uh, I think uh, well, Chris think, Gutierrez is terrible at grappling. Yeah, but yeah, he's a solid fighter, better fighter than uh, Henry in terms of being proven. But yeah, it not doesn't really, that's not, 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 too, not, too much, not too relevant. But um, that should move us on to the middleweight division. One of my favorite fighters, Gerald Meshart, as the considerable favorite, minus 230. Dustin Stolfoots, plus 195. Um, you want to start this one off, Ossie? Or is it my turn? No. Yeah, you. Okay. Um, so love Mearshart. Not really a guy known for um covering his price as a favorite. I mean, the guy is almost never a favorite. He's always being diff- uh, booked in difficult matchups. Uh, probably is one of the biggest money line underdog bets uh or wins of the year, right? I mean, he was like plus five hundred, plus five fifty versus Muradov. And he just made that fight close the entire time. I mean, those odds were just so massively off. People were overrating Murdoff, and GM3 really got to show some of his underrated skill. Um, I think the the guy is a crafty striker. He's not um, not athletic at all, not very fast. But if you watch the Eric Anders fight, like you see him, he has a concept of defense. He knows how to you know roll under punches and come back and counter. You saw him outstrike Deron Win pretty bad, snatch up a sub there, and he's he's great with submissions on the ground. So uh, Stolfoots, on the other hand. 
not too impressed with him. I mean, I thought the guy had some potential before coming into the UFC, but clearly he was just fighting bad fighters in Germany. And now that he's, you know, fighting good, better competition, he's struggling immensely. Um, his striking, again, slow, not really seeing much consistent high output from him. And uh, he can be taken down. He's not a great defensive grappler. Um, you know, uh, Vieira just, you know, was able to submit him. But he made that fight pretty close against Vieira, if I recall. I mean, I think Vieira won round one. Schultz came back in one round two. And then Vieira got the back taken, uh, the sub in round three. So Mearshart should be good to, to win here. But minus 230 is not a price you play him at. I did see FanDuel, DraftKing, or FanDuel is offering Mearshart by sub or decision minus 140. So I think the difference between it's minus a trap. It's a trap. Well, you think he's going to knock him out? I don't know, man. I mean, looking at this fight, I'll tell you, you know, losing to Dawkins and uh, Vieira, not great, but the Dawkins uh, lost. The only reason that one is like particularly concerning because it just looked, I don't know, he looked out of his element, did not look on the level of Dawkins, but then came out against uh, Vieira, was much more uh, active, was coming forward with punches, uh, got bloodied up, and, you know, kind of fought through that as well. Against GM3, I think these guys are going to, uh, you know, meet head on a bunch of times. Uh, you know, stole Dustin uh, relies on his chin a little bit, and uh, you know, GM three does is able to land the left hand often. So, uh, I mean, early on, I did want to say I was kind of just like, oh man, you know, the fight deck is gonna break out. GM three, he's gonna win that kind of fight, just you know, way way more often. Now thinking about it more, uh, I don't really want to get involved. Um, you know, maybe if you think that if you're higher on Dustin, you play the over, just, uh, uh, you know, kind of like fading, you know, him getting uh, finished by GM3, but always sweating in a GM3 fight because that's what he fucking does. So, yep, sound, sounds like we're on the same page. Pretty fun fight next. Uh, two pretty beloved fighters uh, kicking off the main cards. Eight fights down, six fights left. We're flying through these fights. Featherweight division, we have Cub Swanson. As the minus one ninety favorite, Darren Elkins plus one sixty five. Interesting matchup here. Uh, yeah. So I mean, you know, it, this is like who is more shot. I mean, it was very interesting to see Cub Swanson go down. Like he just looked pretty soft to the body um, in that fight against Giga. So I would think that he got back into the gym if he's taking on a fight with uh, a guy like Darren Elkins. Because if you teeter off against him. It's not going to be uh isn't it's going to be a painful fight. So you know, and I think Hub Swanson knows that. Um, if he looks anything like the Daniel Pineda fight, I mean, he's going to connect on Darren Elkins so easily. Uh, and I don't think Darren Elkins is going to be able to take the repeated uh, shots that Hub Swanson is going to be able to put on him. So that's why he's a favorite here. Um, this is not like a Derek Minner situation where uh, I think you know comes on some gases from beating him up. I mean, he could get taken down, but it's not going to be because he gases. It's going to be because he's like a weaker guy than Darren Elkins, and if Darren Elkins can get his hands on him, uh, you know, it, it was always going to be a bad thing. So I can't play Cub, but I can certainly see how you know people feel like he eventually he knocks out uh, Darren Elkins. Yeah, Cub is always kind of known for having pretty solid t- takedown defense. I mean, he has been, you know, taken out, submitted by a few uh, of the better grapplers. Um, but, you know, he stuffed a lot of takedowns from Frankie Edgar. He, I think he just has a, a solid defensive grappling base, right? Um, but the last time we really saw him defend a lot of takedowns was pre-knee surgery. Don't forget, he tore his ACL doing a jiu-jitsu tournament or something. And, you know, maybe looks a step slower, a little more stuck in the mud ever since. 
Um, Darren Elkins is extremely hittable. I mean, everyone knows what this guy's game is. His game is to get beat up until you gas out, and then he comes back. And it's happened to many time, many people before. And in terms of pricing at Moneyline, I would say this is Elkins or pass. Um, just because Swanson, I could see him getting taken down here and just getting, you know, rod against the cage or something like that. Elkins should be the better grappler. Uh, although Swanson, um, you know, solid grappler of his own right. I mean, the Pineda fight, it was kind of concerning. I mean, even though he won that fight by knockout, I just feel like he made that fight too close against Pineda. Um, and yeah, I really hope Cub wins. Uh, I think he is the better fighter of the two. Should be landed hands, like like Ozzy said. Uh, it's just a matter of can he finish Elkins. Elkins extremely durable. He's known for getting hurt and you know recovering. So I hope Swanson doesn't you know go too crazy for that finish and gas out like a lot of opponents do. So I'll pick Swanson, but a bit tentatively and probably um, by decision. Uh, and that's going to bring us to the the next fight in the lightweight division. I think it's fair to say probably the best matchup on the card. We have Mateusz Gamrot, the gamer, at uh, minus 176. Carlos Diego Ferreira, CDF, plus 151. Really good matchup between these guys here. Um, Diego, a bit more proven in the UFC, um, but Gamrot is on the rise. He's coming over from KSW. He's picked up a few nice finishes, and the guy is just extremely skilled. Um, Carlos Diego Ferreira had that fight against Gregor Gillespie that was insane back and forth grappling there, almost TKO'd him in round one, but then gassed out and got finished in round two. Uh, but the difference between that fight is Gillespie just has such a tenacious grappling pace that I don't think that Gamrot is going to be able to quite sustain that. Gamrot has competed ABCC. He is, you know, a great jiu-jitsu grappler, but we saw him get some takedowns against Guram Kudaladze. We saw him kind of struggle to do much with those takedowns, and Guram stood up from a lot of those takedowns. And Gamrot just had a kind of underwhelming performance. And that's why Gamrot lost that fight. I believe it's his only loss of his career. And I see a lot of relevance for this matchup because Carlos Diego Ferreira is known for having great takedown defense, for being a great scrambler, attacking with sweeps and submissions off his back. Really is one of the best, like, scramble grapplers, um, probably, you know, above 145. Uh, he's really fun to watch. Uh, and his striking is no joke, too. I mean, he throws a lot of front kicks. He knows how to put up a pace, solid jab. And uh, this is going to be a Southpaw versus Southpaw matchup. So the striking should be close, but I definitely give an edge to Gamrod here. The grappling, man, it's hard to know who's going to end up on top here. It's hard to imagine if anyone's going to keep consolidated top position. So I'm leaning towards CDF as the value side at plus 150. Um, I just think this is Gamrod's probably probably one of his toughest tests in his career, maybe top three toughest opponents he's ever fought. So I just don't think 176 is... is quite appropriate maybe uh minus 140 for gamma would be a little bit better so yeah no way so it's definitely gamma season um you know starting off with this fight here um you know he's coming in here he's he's getting this ufc push i mean i, I i'm not like a guy like oh matchmaking and stuff like that but i mean obviously gamma his best attribute that people see is his wrestling um but what you don't a lot of people do undersell is the guy's a switch hitter so he can uh, attack you from southpaw or the orthodox stance um he you know the the takedowns that he when he does hit them when he does get on the mat like you said he's an adcc veteran has qualified on a number of occasions uh he used to train at henzo gracie's gym as well even with his matches with gary tonin and all he would be training uh at the henzo academy very often so i think on the ground he's actually going to be uh i think he's going to be straight up to just a better grappler than cdf and cdf just gives up takedowns to all these guys like people could 
you know, you look at him, he'll tie up an arm here or there, and he'll do something like that, and it'll get people really excited, like what he did to Rustam and what he did to um, in his last fight against Benny or against Benil a few times. He got like a little arm trap and stuff like that. But I mean, I think the wrestling that uh, uh, what's his name uh, Gamrot is bringing. There's going to be no match for that. Uh, and then on the feet, he's much quick. I mean, CDF is just, he's too slow for uh, lightweight. That's that's the reason earlier on that he was not a top-level fighter because uh, guys were just firing off on him and, you know, hit, beating him to the punch. And he got that, you know, real heavy pressure style. He started to have a little bit more success. But he beat uh, Tysonov and Pettis. Uh and then he can't even make weight. He can't even make the weight. So now he's going to make the weight. He's going to be more physically, uh, he's going to be weaker. And he just doesn't have the power or the speed either. So Gamron is Gamron season. So. Oh, my fault. I've been, uh, I was talking with my mic muted. Um, I'll have to edit that out. Um, next fight takes place in the Bantamweight division. We have Ricky Simone as the minus 275 favorite. Rafael Sunsau plus 235 on the comeback here. Your turn to start this one off, Ozzy. What are we thinking? You're muted. Um, I guess I'll start then. Um, you good? Yeah. I'm. Yeah. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, yeah. So Sun Sal Simone. Uh, another fight. I guess you know they're looking to see where Simone's level is. Um, uh, a Sun Sal though, I think he is a quick enough guy on the outside that it's gonna take Simone a little longer to get into his wrestling. Uh, then, then you kind of saw in that you know a few of his uh, last few fights. Um, I think the Kelleher fight is a good example, but it, it'll just take him longer because the Sun Sal Southpaw striker goes to the body well, and I think has a, a is going to give give him more trouble cutting uh cutting off that uh, closing that distance. Sorry about that closing that distance. Um, but you know I I don't really like Ricky Simone as a. You know, as a three to one favorite, that that's tough for me to get behind. Uh, we've seen him get just like fights just go out of control, that, and you don't really want to be holding that with a veteran like a Sun Sao in the third round. Even if you think that the cardio difference is big, uh, I think I would be definitely sweating if I had uh, a money line ticket on Ricky and it's one one going into round three. So yeah, that, that's how I feel about it. Um, so Simone puts up a pretty solid pace. You know, the guy's obviously a wrestler looking to hit you know, upwards of 10 takedowns a fight. Um, striking, you know, developing a little bit, but still not too high level. And a Sun Sao, um, very underrated striker throughout history. You know, counter puncher, solid boxer. Um, you know, just an underrated fighter, honestly. He is getting towards the end of his career. Hasn't fought in a year half. Coming in, coming off that um, not bad knockout to Cody Garbrandt. And I just feel like Garbrandt is, is a fight that he, he could have won if he were, you know, 2015, 2016, a Sun Um, So it's just showing that a Sun is taking some steps backwards. But um, in terms of thinking who want who I want to beat Ricky Simone, uh, I'm thinking of a guy like Rob Font who can get taken down. But once he gets up from that takedown, he is just amazing at throwing volume, getting in your face, and he knows that he has to make up for that time on bottom. A Sun might get taken down here, might escape, but he's kind of, you know, a counterpuncher. He's not known for throwing the highest level volume. And I think he's going to, even if he escapes some takedowns here, defends some shots, uh, avoids bottom position, I still think the the sheer output and aggression of Simone is going to be hard to overcome. So uh, a Sun Sour pass for sure, and no way you could be laying this near 3-1 to one on Simone. And if you like Simone, just bet him by decision probably. I mean, this guy is always going to decision, never really looking to finish fights. Um, and, 
you know, I think Samoan decision is pretty likely here. It's going to take us to the women's strawweight division. Rough matchup for my girl, Angie Hill. Amanda Limos, minus 300. Um, Angela Hill, plus 240 on the comeback. So, rough matchup for Hill, like I said. Um, you know, she looked pretty bad against Tisha Torres, honestly. Expected her to make that fight closer, but Torres really kind of dominated all areas of that fight. And Limos could make the, the striking close here. Limos is definitely less proven in the striking. She looks... She looks just like a mean girl. She has some power. She knows how to hit takedowns and get on top and submit you. I think it's more likely that Lemos finishes by sub here than my knockout. So maybe take a, a small pop on the Lemos sub prop, whatever that's at. Plus 1,100 on FanDuel. That's solid. Um, so, you know, just live bet Angela Hill. She's probably going to lose round one. If you have DraftKings, the decision only for Angela Hill is plus 275. So that's pretty good as well. Um, just a rough matchup for Hill, unfortunately, and I think she probably gets uh, beaten here pretty sound. Uh, pretty sound, and that plus eleven hundred is worth a stab. Don't really know. I can't really see how this fight plays out that many times. So, kind of flying in blind. Uh, I think. I mean, Lemos is just going to be. When, I think she's going to grab Angela, and Angela's just not strong enough for uh, for Amanda here. Um, uh, I've got no interest in this fight, so you're sounds on your good. Own. Sounds good. We'll keep it moving. Um, you can start off the next one. Welterweight division. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson minus two ten. Bilal, remember the name Muhammad plus one eighty. What are your thoughts here? This is a here? cool fight. This is a cool fight. I mean, I love Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Uh, I don't know what happened to him against Gilbert Burns. Like, I, I don't know. His body started shutting down on him. Not sure. Um, I'm hoping that he we can see some vintage Wonder Boy back in that apex, cutting cut, cutting those angles. I mean, uh, Bilal, he's just kind of I don't know, very underwhelming. Uh, you know, I, I've tried fading him a, a few times. I remember with Lyman Good, I, I I thought that Lyman Good was knock him out in that third round. But just like I mean, he knows he's gonna take damage, so he's good with that. So I think this could be a really really good fight, actually. Because uh, I think there's definitely opportunity for the uh, Wonder Boy to land like a crazy amount of shots or like a spinning, you know, strike. So uh, that's how that's what, just what I think about their style matchup. Um, you know, people have been betting Bilal because of that, of all of this, but I can't get on it. Like he would have to control Wonder Boy on the ground, and for what it's worth, like I think Gilbert was putting like so much effort into holding it on Wonder Boy that I that I don't really think that's a flaw in, in his game. I just think Gilbert Burns like was able to accomplish uh that and I don't think Below has got what it takes. So um I, I I like Wonder Boy to win the fight, but you know, maybe maybe a little bet if it goes under minus two hundred, maybe just to de- be a little degen, but I don't know. Some action coming in on Bilal past few days. He was plus two fifteen, now down to plus one eighty, but if you like Bilal here, I think you should just take him by decision, plus 350. I mean, Bilal not really known for finishing. Um, his only real finishes are, are subs, and I just don't see him getting dominant enough positions to sub Wonderboy here. It seems really unlikely. Um, so what, what's Wonderboy no scorecards, honestly? Because if anyone's finishing this fight, I really do think it, it is probably Wonderboy by knock. I am minus 240. That's about right. Um, so Bilal's going to need takedowns to win. I just don't think that he can win the fight if it stays standing. Thompson is still sharp enough, still uh, athletic enough to be able to outstrike him. I mean, just look at the Jeff Neal fight. That was only one year ago. We saw how good Jeff Neal looked last weekend. And then we saw how easily Stephen Wonderboy Thompson shut him down last year. So 
Wonderboy should be pretty safe to outstrike Bilal here, and I don't think Bilal's takedowns are really good enough to really consider it a legitimate path here. So I'll take uh, Wonderboy as well. Um, if there's any finish here, it's going to be Thompson knockout with the odds on that, eh, plus 300, pretty bad odds. Um, that's going to bring us to the main event in the heavyweight division, third heavyweight fight. We have Philly's own Chris Dacus, minus 139, Derek Lewis, plus 119. and. Only official bet I actually have tracked on this entire card. I tracked it, I think, like two or three weeks ago. Chris Dawkins, minus 116 odds. Got in Homer as pick. Homer got, as pick. Got some nice uh, CLV there. I just want to remind you guys, I think Der- uh, that Ozzy picked Derek Lewis to beat Cyril Gaon last time. So just take that. With I did not. I did I not. I did not. Let the record I think, show I did not. Okay. I think we did. Um, we'll have to go back and listen to the archive on that one. But I see this as pretty simple. I mean, Dockhouse is aggressive. He's high volume. He's got solid boxing. He's got great power. He's knocked down all of his opponents so far. And Derek Lewis is, you know, the same fighter he always typically is. He He's pretty much knockout or bust. He's not very high volume. Um, and he's just looking for that one knockout shot, that big overhand upcut. And I just don't think that he's going to be able to land it on Dockhouse here. I think Dockhouse is too active. He's too solid in the boxing. I just think Dockhouse is kind of, gonna light him up honestly uh, another thing about lewis is that he's been looking less and less durable um you know the the curtis blades fight i thought he was getting kind of disturbed with the shots there uh just looked completely terrible against cyril Gan. just didn't really have any smidgen of hope to win that fight and i just think that he's you know any he's what any what uh, i didn't have a smid i don't even know a smidge oh. of a chance to win um so I just think that, especially to the body, Lewis is very weak to the body, not especially uh, weak to the head, but I just think Dockhouse is going to trap him in the small cage, light him up with punches, and probably drop him and finish him here. So uh, Dockhouse uh, knockouts the pick in the first two rounds. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, Chris Dockhouse, so he's there to be hit. And, I mean, the, <laughs> the, the, wor- the worrying thing about betting Derek Lewis is, like, he quit in that uh, Cyril Gaon fight. I don't know what happened. He could have kept going. But you never know, like, now here, like, is, is that going to be the case again? I mean, uh, Dawkins is going to be so much fast, uh, faster than him. So, but I think that Derek Lewis could spook him if he just, like, throws down on the counter uh, in, in a, a few different times because, I mean, he's just, like, 40 pounds. He's going to be, like, 40 pounds bigger than him. So, I mean... I'm always interested in Derek Lewis as an uh, underdog. I probably did say that against uh, Gone, but I don't want to go out on the last fight of the year on a loss. So I don't think I'm gonna bet this one at all. But uh, but yeah, I guess like if you wanted to bet on Dawkins, like you can't lay more than minus one forty. So you know definitely get that under there. But uh, I'll probably pick uh, I'll pick Dawkins, but I feel like he could definitely get rocked here. So. I capped Dawkins uh, minus two hundred. So, huh. why um, you know you know I'm always it's always interesting to me when people you know when guys send out like their capping like where they cap these it's always like crazy round numbers. So it's definitely wrong if it's like crazy round numbers on all of them is definitely wrong for sure. Sixty six point six seven percent. That sounds yeah. about accurate. Um, yeah. and you know we didn't officially do our parlay on the podcast last week some uh, viewer tweeted us and said you guys didn't do it we did uh tweet out that i take aaron ozzy takes neil so that did win at around three to one odds both of our underdogs so nice win there but unfortunately we didn't really mention it on the podcast but in terms of our our, our lock of the week parlay i'll take docus for mine 
taking Chris Dawkins. Uh, and and I, I mean, I, I, t- I said it, it's Gamrot for me. So we'll do Gamrot, Dawkins. That's minus 140, minus 180, like 80, 85 for, uh, for Gamrot. That should give you, that should be plus like 120. Plus 250. No, 250. 250? Oh, well, I'm bugging out. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm just guessing. No, I'm no, no, right no. Now. I don't think it's gonna be plus two fifty, but it should be still be solid. It's plus one seventy. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, sounds good. And uh, you know, keep posted. Might do a recap podcast at the end of the year. We have three week breaks, so that is gonna conclude the podcast for the year, man. Ozzy, we did it. We did like what eighteen fucking weeks in a row or something like that. Um, I think we only had like one or two weeks off in that entire time. So pretty good for Ozzy. Yeah, considerable pretty, pretty, commitment. Yeah, I mean, Ozzy wasn't. I was doing this. I was doing this on on the regular for years and years. So it's kind of easy for me to adapt. But a, a busy man like Ozzy, who's making a lot of cash on the weekly, uh, you know, very very happy to have him join the podcast and elevate us to a new level. So take it, uh, let's take it easy. Let's take it easy. But yeah, it was it was it's a uh, you know good to do. I think it definitely it helps me uh, to to look at uh look at the card uh, as a whole as well. But uh, yeah, so you know, hopefully, uh, you know, we we'll finish out the year. Uh, in the black and then uh you know another big year um, uh, you know a more full year of mma coming up pfl you know just you know more and more uh fight cards getting you know fight events getting added so yeah good stuff overall yep that's gonna do it so uh thank you all for listening thank you all for supporting liking subscribing uh appreciate everyone who's tuned in and hope you all enjoy the last ufc card we'll see you in the year 2022 so peace out fellas